I've loved that we've been showing these videos during this series because it's just a, just a taste, just a bit of some of the people that exist within Mount Horeb and Methodist Church who are willing to invest in the lives of people and make a difference for the kingdom. And I know even in this room right here, there are many people who are doing very similar things with their life. And so to be able to highlight that each and every week has been such a cool thing for us, and especially for Chris's story. I mean, this is a guy who's making a big difference and, and making a difference for the kingdom. And this morning, you know, for the past couple of weeks, we've been walking through this brand new series called Core. And we've been talking about different core beliefs that we as a church, we hold, and these beliefs are, these beliefs are defining for us. These beliefs that we've been talking about are guiding for us. And, and these beliefs have not just come out of nowhere. They've come through intentional discussion within the life of the church. And they've come from fervent prayer asking God, God, what is your intention for us as Mount Horeb United Methodist Church? Um, what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks and what we've talked about for the past couple of weeks have been these core values that are defining for Mount Horeb United Methodist Church, but also to defining for the people who call themselves members of Mount Horby United Methodist Church. So even these 44 who have just decided to join this church, they've not joined because they get a little membership card and they get to swim in the pool or anything like that. They have become members of Mount Horb because they believe in these core values as well. This is a part of their life in the four walls of Mount Horb and outside in the community they live in, in the, the workplace that they work in. These core values go far beyond just the life of, of Mount Horb here in the church. It goes to our actual lives in, in the actual real world. When I was a kid, I'm in high school, I, I used to be a pole vaulter. And I would love to say I was like a really good pole vaulter, but I wasn't. I was like decent. And I, I competed against guys, and I was on a team with guys who were really good at pole vaulting. And in fact, my senior year of high school, the, the, the height that won the, national, or the state championship was 15 feet 6 inches. 15 feet 6 inches in the air, someone runs down a track holding a fiberglass pole, sticks it in a box, and then flings their body into the air up 15 feet 6 inches over a bar. It's insanity, to be honest with you. I remember in high school just thinking, I'm going to die doing this. And, and every time I would plant my foot, I was questioning whether I'd actually land on the mountain at the other end or I'd land on my head and end up in the hospital or something like that. And I would watch people do this kind of thing. It was crazy. And what's, what's interesting is the difference between somebody who was like decent at pole vaulting or even bad at pole vaulting and someone who was very good at pole vaulting was one very simple thing. And it wasn't easy to have, but it was very simple. And it was simply this, your core, your core body strength. How strong was your core? Because to be able to carry a fiberglass pole like that down the track, to plant it in a box, to be able to hold on, to fling your body into the air upside down and then be able to pull yourself over a bar like that took incredible core strength. So to be good at pole vaulting, you had to make sure that was something that existed with, within your body. I think the same thing is true within our church as we're, we're going through this series, this core series, because these core values, if they're not strong within the life of our church, we might as well hang it up right now. We believe these core values are so important to us as a church and so important to us as individual people, as members of Mount Horeb, we're going to focus on these. I believe this is the most important series we've probably preached in a very long time. Because it's defining for us. It is guiding for us. It will take us as a church where we are meant to go over the next coming years and decades. The same is true for Mount Horb. I believe this is, this is something that we need to have secure within our hearts, within our minds. Because I believe it's that kind of impactful. We can, change, we can change the world through these kinds of core values. I've served in the church now for 12 years in student ministry mostly. And I've been at Mount Horb for about 10 of those years. And for those 10 or 12 years, I have tried as hard as I can to have a defining piece of my ministry be what we're going to talk about today. And I've seen it take place within the life of our church, being a, a defining piece of our church. And that core value we'll talk about this morning is the core value that is above and beyond. Above and beyond. 
I've always wanted to be committed within the church into making a difference by going above and beyond for the sake of people. I would love to say over 12 years I've done it perfect all the time, but the truth is I haven't. But this has been a core value I've wanted to have a part of, of my life personally. In fact, a few years ago, when we decided to step out in faith and build this facility that you're sitting in here this morning is because there's a group of people within the life of this church that started a campaign called Above and Beyond. Because we believe that God was calling us to work harder than we'd ever worked before, to give more generously than we'd ever given before, and to go further and pray more fervently because we believe God wanted us to do something substantial in Lexington and the Midlands. In fact, there are probably some people sitting here this morning in this room who would not have been here, who would not be here this morning, aside from some people who decided they wanted to go above and beyond, to take the next step, to invest in what God wanted to do within the kingdom. And you're sitting here now this morning. This particular core value, this above and beyond core value, did not just come out of thin air. In fact, this value, we take our cues from a God who has been relentless in his pursuit of you and his pursuit of me. In fact, we believe, according to Scripture, that God himself unloaded all the resources of heaven, namely Jesus Christ, to come and walk on this earth and sacrifice himself for all of us, that we might have a relationship with him. This is the kind of God that we know. This is the kind of God that we serve, the kind of God that we love. One who has given us the cues, then, to mimic what he has done, to go above and beyond, to extend the good news of the gospel to those who are in need of God's grace. We didn't make this up. God came up with this. But we as a church want to replicate this within the life of our church. What I've learned from God and the way he's demonstrated this to us, what I've seen in my life, is very simple. We, people, we go above and beyond for the things that we're passionate about. Is that not true? We go above and beyond for things that we're passionate about. Maybe even in this room you might think of some things that you're very passionate about that you go above and beyond for. You could take the next step for. And maybe it's really simple because it's like right out there in the open for you. My sister-in-law is really good at baking cakes, like really, really good at baking. I could bake a cake if I had to. It would come from a box. It wouldn't look edible, and no one probably should consume it, but you could. But, but my sister-in-law, like she takes it a whole other step further in, in making cakes, and it's clear a passion for her because the time and the energy and the effort that goes into it is so evident. She's so dedicated. I want to show you a couple cakes she's made right here. It's a Moana cake, if you didn't notice. It's amazing. Look at this. Graduation cake this year. And then the next one. This is my wife's 32nd birthday. Sorry, honey. 32nd birthday. This is our scamp camper that we have that she made into a cake. And lastly, every one of those pieces of grass is piped onto that cake. I mean, it's incredible. And when you watch her do this kind of thing and invest the amount of energy and time and effort she puts into these cakes, it is so clear. This is a passion of hers. Like we go all out. We go above and beyond for the things that we're passionate about, do we not? And it's all kinds of stuff within our life that we're passionate for. And when you're passionate about something, when you love something, it's like no effort at all to do it. In fact, it's like a joy to go above and beyond for it because you're passionate about it. There are some people who I know who spend obscene hours of time on their fantasy football league, Nick Cunningham. <laughs> I mean, just, just invest all of this time and all of this effort and all this attention into making sure they've picked the correct person. Maybe, maybe Kareem Hunt, if he picked correctly. Some of y'all will get that later. Also, there are people who scroll through Facebook day in and day out to make sure they're up on everything that's happening in the people around them, the lives of people around them. 
And they spend hours, incessant hours. There are students in my program here at this church who spend so much effort, so much time, and so much energy into getting this scholarship, whether it's athletic or academic. I mean, they invest all this time. There are men in the life of this church, women in the life of this church, who invest so much crazy hours into work every single week trying to climb the corporate ladder. I mean, think of all the energy and time and effort that we invest into things, and oftentimes we do it because we are passionate about it. It is something that we really care about. It is something that we love. And the haunting question that I have when it comes to this, and the reason it's so haunting for me is because I am the worst offender at this, is all the time the energy that we spend in different places, in the end, does it actually matter? Does the place that we spend most of our time and most of our energy, most of our affection, most of our passion, in the end, does it really make a difference? Or are we just spinning our wheels? Is it really making a difference? Because my concern is most of our time goes to things that don't make a difference. And unfortunately, we don't spend the amount of time that we should on the things that are of utmost importance, that really actually matter, that have eternal benefit. Too often we spend it in the other place. You see, the passions, what they reveal about us, these things that we care the most about, they reveal to us the places that we have pointed our hearts, what has stolen our affection, what has stolen our love, what has stolen our hearts. You see, our passions, in the end, they, they come from our hearts. That's where they originate, the things that we're passionate about. In the end, it's the things that we talk most about. It's the things that we think most about. It's the things that we worry most about. And the writer of Proverbs pens this passage of Scripture that I read years ago that was so defining for me. I think it's one of the most important passages of Scripture that's written within the Bible. And it comes from Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And the writer says this, Guard your what? Hearts. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Some translations say, guard your heart above all else, for it's the wellspring of life. The places that we have our interest, the places that we give our attention, our affection, our energy, they're going to come from the things that have stolen our hearts, the things that we really care the most about. Now, first and foremost, we have to understand the Hebrew writers, what they meant by the word heart when they wrote the word heart. When we think of the word heart, we think of an organ that pumps blood through our body, or we think of some symbol that shows the affection or care we have for somebody. But the Hebrews, when they talked about the word heart, they were talking about the inner person, the core of every single person. They believed that our thoughts, our desires, our actions, our feelings, everything that came from us originated first and foremost within our hearts. So when the writer says, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life, what he means is you have to be careful what you allow into here. You have to be careful what you point your heart at because it determines the direction of your life. It will determine the places that you spend most of your time and your efforts and your affections and your passions. What would happen if we as a church, individual people in a church collectively, what if our passions really went towards things that actually mattered? What if we were most passionate about seeing people come to know and put their faith and their hope and their trust in Jesus? What if we were most concerned about coming alongside people who are struggling, going through difficulty to serve them whatever way we can? What if we were most passionate about seeing people who are in bondage and slavery of some kind, helping them find freedom from guilt and shame, addiction and hopelessness? That's what really matters. ESPN Fantasy Leagues, really? Netflix, really? 
Man, there are things that actually matter that we could point our hearts at, that our passions could really be concerned about. And these passions, I believe, should be dictating every aspect of our life. Every single one. Now, I can probably sense in the room some people that stood up in their seat a little bit and were like, really, Trevor? Like every aspect of my life? Every area of my life? Yes. Yes. I I don't think what it means to be a follower of Jesus means that you allow him into one or two aspects of your life. To be a follower of Jesus means he, he gets access to every part of our life. And here's why. We believe at this church that all of life is spiritual. All of life is spiritual. Because what we have a tendency to do is we have a tendency to kind of live into quadrants of our life. Like this is, this is my family bucket. When I'm in this area, I do family. And I live in family. And when I go to this quadrant, this is like my, my work life. This is when I do work stuff and I'm, I'm, I'm the work guy. And I come here, this is recreation, this is like tailgating. I'm a whole new person here because I'm living into this quadrant of my life. Then there's fun with friends and whatever else. And then there's like my service time and, and then my church time. We have this tendency to live in these different quadrants of our life and we compartmentalize everything. And the problem with this is when we compartmentalize in this kind of way, we become different people based upon what quadrant we're working in. Here's how I know. I've done it my whole life. Now it's, now it's family Trevor, but, but then there's also work Trevor, and then there's church Trevor. This is not what's intended within the scriptures. I think what Jesus talks about is he believes there's actually this sweet spot that you can live into that's not different quadrants, but in fact, it's the center of all of them. It's where he is really, truly intersecting into every aspect of our life. We talked just last week about Jesus being Jesus first, Jesus always. So he impacts every aspect of our life. We don't live in quadrants. We live all of life being spiritual. You see, when Jesus talks to the disciples within Scripture, he never talks to them in terms of their work life, their family life, and their disciple life, and the church life, and the synagogue life. He doesn't talk like this. When Jesus speaks to people within Scripture, he speaks to them in terms of all of life being the same thing. Here's what this means. You cannot divorce the way you treat your wife from the way that you love Jesus. It's the same thing. You you can't divorce the way that you do your work from the way that you love Jesus, the way you conduct yourself at a tailgate from the way that you love Jesus. You can't divorce the way you treat other people at school from the way you love Jesus, the way you serve people from the way you love Jesus. You You can't do it because it's all one thing. All of life is spiritual. All of my life is spiritual. All of your life is first and foremost spiritual. It's all connected. And if this is true, if this is true, that means that there really is in the end no such thing as just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. That's what. Just, just someone who bakes cakes, just a receptionist, just a real estate agent, just a coach, just a teacher. There's no such thing. Because if all of life is spiritual, this means every aspect of your life, every single one of them, gives you the opportunity to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Because Jesus touches every aspect of your life. I want to be clear here. Going above and beyond, taking the next step, does not mean that you have to do more stuff. I want to be clear. There are some of us in the room who should do more stuff because we don't do anything. But there are some of us in the room who are like, Trevor, I'm plenty busy. I don't need something else to do. Going above and beyond doesn't mean you do more things. It means that you do the things that you already do with more intention. If you're a school teacher, 
Be a school teacher in such a way where Jesus gets to be glorified and honored. And if you mow lawns, do it for the glory of God. If you're a receptionist, make sure that every single person you come in contact with knows that you are someone who loves Jesus with all of their heart. Because all of life is spiritual. This is how you go above and beyond to take that next step. Here's the question. Where can the monotony of your life become miraculous? Where can the things that you do every single day that just seem so rote to you become something that God could actually use to make a huge difference and a major impact? We need to figure out how to find the places that Jesus intersects with every aspect of our life. We begin to live intentionally into these different areas. I'm not just at work, but I'm actually an ambassador of the kingdom of God in my workplace. I'm not just a dad, but I'm actually a dad who loves Jesus with all of my heart. And I want my kids to know it. I'm not just someone who goes to a Carolina game or a Clemson game and does my own thing. I'm someone who does that in reference to my relationship with God. You see, it changes everything when you begin to realize that Jesus is the center of all of these things. I'm coaching my son's football team. He's six. And I can feel the judging already in the room. He's six years old, and he's playing Pop Warner football. And I'll be honest with you, I was very excited as a former football player myself. I was so excited for my son to play football. And so I decided, well, if he's going to play, I might as well coach, because then I'll kill two birds with one stone. Spend time with my son, be a part of something really fun. And it's been, it's been a really fun experience being able to be a part of that. And, but I realized just about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, that what I was doing was not just coaching kids in football. There was something more to it. Because I realized that on the football team that I'm coaching, that half of the kids on this football team have skin that looks just like mine. And half of the kids on my football team have skin that looks very different from mine. And considering the climate of our nation right now, I have an opportunity, I have an obligation, an obligation to love every single one of these boys with everything that I have, not just to coach them how to tackle somebody and how to run the ball, but to teach them what it looks like to live for Jesus. And so when I, when I get down on one knee in front of these little six-year-old boys, seven-year-old boys, and teach them how to play football, I want them to know, first and foremost, that they are loved by God. No matter what skin color they have, no matter where they come from, no matter what kind of family life they have, because all of life is spiritual, I cannot divorce that from the way that I love Jesus. And if I do, I rob myself of being a part of what God is trying to do in the world. And the power for this doesn't even originate with me. It comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. We read it earlier. Here's what it says. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we can think or ask or imagine, according to what? Whose power? His power. According to his power that works within us. Even as we talk about this, living out our relationship with God in every aspect of our life, I can imagine some in the room are like, well, Trevor, I didn't go to Bible college, so I'm not ready to have the whole conversation about anything within the Bible. I, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Or Trevor, I, my life is such a screw-up from way back that I, I should not be anybody that's trying to talk about Jesus with anybody else. Or Trevor, I'm just focusing on me right now because I'm a mess right now. i got nothing to offer. I'm going to be honest with you. That, that is not the kind of attitude that a Christ follower should have. Because it's not about being adequate. It is about being available. You're never going to be adequate. In fact, the power to do this kind of thing doesn't originate with you anyway. It originates with him. And so, yes, we can be a part of doing things that are immeasurably more than we could possibly think or ask or imagine. Not because we're so awesome, but because our God is so awesome. He can use us to make a difference. 
I mean, think of the people that Jesus chose to be his disciples, 12 ordinary men, fishermen. Not the people that you probably would have picked out to change the world, but Jesus did. And guess what? Those 12 men, literally, we are sitting here today because of those 12 men. Ordinary people like you and like me. I think of the story where there's 5,000 people who need to be fed. And Jesus comes up to a little boy, and the little boy has a lunchbox with some fish and some bread. He's like, hey, listen, if you give me that, I'll do something miraculous with it. If you give me that, I'll feed all these people. I think Jesus is coming to, to many of us in this room and saying, hey, listen, if you just give me the little bit that you have, you'll be amazed at what I can do. If you'll just give me that spot on the PTA that you have, I can do amazing things. If you'll just give me that workplace that you work within with your boss and your coworkers, I can do amazing. If you'll give me your family, if you'll give me your marriage, you'll be amazed at what I can do. Immeasurably more than we could think or imagine. It's not about being adequate. It's about being available. It's about being willing to take that next step to go above and beyond. We have some men in the church over the past few weeks who have come here on a Saturday, on their day off from work, and they've invested so much time and energy into working on this white house that we have on the back of our property. And you might think, well, what's the big deal working on a white house on the church property? But you got to understand what this house is for. It's for missionaries who come home, have been working you know, out of the country for many years, and they come and they get a chance to have furlough here and be able to rest and relax. And I'm amazed at what they have done. They've done amazing stuff. Ordinary men. The ordinary tools just coming on a Saturday to invest in what God is doing. You heard a story from Chris Hutniak just earlier, just a business owner in our community, but someone who recognizes the, the influence that they have and the way they can invest to make a difference for the kingdom. I work within student ministry here at the church, and I get a chance to serve alongside of some amazing people who I know work a whole other job all day long. People ask me all the time, Trevor, you're a pastor. What do you do besides Wednesdays and Sunday nights? I'm like, wow. Some things. But these people have jobs outside of the church. And after they're done with their jobs, they come back in on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night and they invest in the lives of middle school and high school students. That's what it looks like to go above and beyond. To take that next step. Here's what everybody else is going to do, but I'm going to go one step further. Believing that God will use me to make a difference within the kingdom and use me to go above and beyond for the lives of people. But our temptation too often is to see these opportunities that maybe God has laid within our lap, and instead of actually doing it and taking that step, we say, you know what, I'm not interested. I was at Bilo the other day, and I was walking, and I was shopping. It was one of those days where I didn't want to talk to, like, any human being. Has anybody ever had that before? Y'all are liars. I walked in. I'm like, I want bread, and I want, I want meat, and I want milk, and then I'm out. So I walked in. I started walking around the different aisles and stuff, and... I saw someone down one of the aisles that I thought to myself, that person probably could use a conversation with me. And I had an instant choice was, do I walk and and invest that time and that energy? But to be honest, I was like, no one's getting this kind of conversation except for my kids. They live in my house, so they have to. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it for them either. So I decided I wouldn't go. And so I went down a different aisle to make sure I avoided that opportunity. And on the way home, I just felt so guilty about that. Because it was such a simple thing. That person could have been encouraged by just a conversation with me. But instead, I decided to do my own thing and, and ignore the opportunity that was laid in my lap. So for some of us, what does it look like to realize that the, the client you're working with is an opportunity for you to really invest within someone's life? I mean, how many of us are guilty of opening the window to make sure our neighbor's not outside? Because otherwise, we're not going out. 
I, I hear you. What's it look like to say, you know what, that person could probably use an interaction with me, someone who loves Jesus, who has Jesus a part of my life. How many of us, we decide whether we'll do something or not based upon if we get some kind of return out of it? How many of us decide if we're going to do something or not do something based upon how much work it might take from us or how much energy it might require of us? I think we're robbing ourselves of opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom and to go above and beyond. Jesus' final command to those who are his followers and also to us today come from Matthew 28, verse 19. And right before this verse, Jesus says this, all authority has been given to me. All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then in verse 19 says, now I'm going to give this, this authority to you. As he says, therefore, go and make what? Disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We defined disciples a few months ago by saying a disciple is someone who lives their entire life oriented around the reign and rule of God. Every aspect of their life realizing that Jesus is the center. Jesus first and Jesus always. And so those of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus, our job, our obligation is to go and make more people like us. Who would love Jesus with all their hearts, with all of their lives. And who then in turn would live with Jesus as the rule and reign of their life. I think sometimes when we have this kind of conversation, especially Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it's easy to say, okay, that's, that's the people that work at the church's job. And we pay them money to do that. And we have some amazing staff on, on staff here at this church. But I'm telling you right now, if it's just dependent upon us, it's not happening. There is far too much work to be done for it to just happen by church staff. And in fact, I don't think it's the expectation. Our job is to come alongside of folks and say, hey, listen, you can make a difference for the kingdom. It's about us as a team. The last thing that we need is more professional Christians. We need more Christian professionals. People who work within the workplace and who work hard, but do it in such a way where it's so evident that Jesus is the very core and the very center of their life. And their entire life is oriented around him. That's the beauty of the collaborative effort that God has taken with us and that we get to take together to make a difference for the kingdom. In fact, in Scripture, Jesus actually compares us to a city on a hill. He says, you're the light of the world. We, we are meant to stand out. We are meant to give light to everyone else around us. We are meant to give hope to those who are hopelessly lost. So the place that you hold on your PTA, your neighborhood, with your clients, with your boss, with your kids' friends, with your friends, in your office, in your home, in your marriage, you are strategically placed as a city on a hill. You didn't get there by accident. And you're not meant to stay there by accident. You're meant to recognize the place that, that God has placed you, that you might take one step further and make a difference in someone's life. When I was in college, I, I got really um, interested in this early 1900s explorer named Ernest Shackleton. And there's a book about his journals all put together in a book called South. And this guy was amazing, did all kinds of explorations with all kinds of, of folks. At this point in time in the world, there was a lot of places that were never explored yet. And in his journals, when you read this book, you get the sense of this guy's heart. I mean, Ernest Shackleton was a guy who was like, hey, listen, I know where everybody else has gone, but there's more out there. I know where everybody else has stopped, but I want to go one step further. His crew was going to try to cross Antarctica. It would be the first to ever do it. His ship was crushed. They survived on Antarctica for a year 
off of whale blubber and seal fat, yum. But this guy had the kind of heart that said, listen, I I know there's more out there. I know there's another step I can take and I'm willing to do it. No matter what it's going to cost me, no matter how difficult it's going to be. And what if we had the same kind of hearts like that? They said, I, I know where everybody else is willing to go, but I, I'm willing to take, to take one step further, to go above and beyond, to do, to do that extra thing, to see what I'm already doing and become way more intentional about it, to see where God could use me. So what this looks like is when we go to lunch and we have this waitress and we take care of her, we tip her well, of course, or him well, just like everybody else does. But we recognize we have an opportunity to take one step further and say, hey, can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? What's your name? What's your life like? And that client that you work with, and you've seen them often, but you never really had a conversation about what's going on in your life, and you actually take that next step after taking care of them and say, hey, listen, let me just tell you a little bit about Jesus and what he's done in my life. When you sit down on that plane next to that person you didn't want to sit next to and you knew it was going to be a conversation, instead of grimacing and not being a part of it, you, you step out in faith one more step and say, hey, listen, let me tell you about what God's done in my life. Or you have that friend in high school with you and, and you know they're making these decisions that are going to be not good for them, taking places they don't want to go. Instead of ignoring it and just doing life as normal, take that extra step and say, hey, listen, I want to talk to you about something. I don't think this is the healthiest thing. And what would it look like for us to be people who in our hearts, in our minds, make a conscious decision to become intentional people, to recognize the place that we've been placed as a city on a hill, to go above and beyond in one extra step, what could possibly happen? How could God change the world using you and using me here in Lexington, here in the Midlands, and around the world? This is a core value of this church. And if that makes your heart beat fast, it's a core value of yours too. Let this be a passion of our life. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you this morning. Because God, I want to first and foremost confess, God, this is not the way that I live my life as much as I should. Too often I find other things to to attract my affection and, and my energy and my time and my focus. And God, I, I don't want to be that, that to be the case. I pray, God, you'd help me to see with kingdom eyes all the places that you have intentionally put me, whether it's a six-year-old football team, whether it's a church, it's Bilo, it's a business here in town, it's my family, it's my marriage. I pray, God, you'd help us to see that we cannot divorce the way that we treat people around us from the way that we love you and the integrity that we hold within our life from the way that we love you. It is all connected, God. So this morning, Jesus, would you convict our hearts of the places that you want to have full access? Would you show us, God, the places that you need to be first and always? And help us, God, to be people who are willing to go above and beyond, recognizing that we don't have to be adequate, God, but instead we just need to be available. Would you use us, Lord? In your name we pray. Amen.